Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the Extra Point is good. Welcome in to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com. And, of course, with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It's a Thursday. It's April 6th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Masters week is underway. The conditions are good right now, so the weather has yet to roll in. So you don't want to take advantage of these scoring opportunities before it is at least forecasted to get bad. John Rahm, he started things off very shaky. He four-putted the first hole for a double bogey, but he has since been reeling off birdies and eagles, and he is sitting in a tie for first uh, at three under par. So a lot of fun things happening that we'll continue to update you on throughout the rest of today's show. But we'll We'll be joined by Matt Brooks talking Denver Nuggets around 10:15. Who knows who's playing tonight for the Nuggets and for the Suns? Uh, since the Nuggets have wrapped up the number one seed, the Suns have wrapped up the four seed. But we'll at least talk to Matt Brooks, figure out what's going on in that MVP race as well. We'll take your calls around 10:30 and 11:15. The number is always 602-260-1060. But let's get right into it with the poll questions, and we'll set the scene with today's. KDOS1060.com poll question regards to the NBA. Who should be the NBA regular season MVP? Giannis, Joel Embiid, or Jokic? And 75% of the voters are out on Giannis's side. Jokic at 25% and absolutely no love for Embiid so far. Apparently they're not listing to Doc Rivers, who said uh, that the race is over. And uh, after Embiid had 52 the night against the extremely shorthanded Celtics, who were even more shorthanded last night, by the way. The Celtics, uh, they haven't clinched the number one spot in the East yet, but uh, I don't know if they care. Uh, they basically have played with skeleton teams, skeleton crew out there the last two games. Well, the Bucs have actually clinched the number one seed, so uh, the Celtics are in a race for, That's true. for second. So I think they're probably... So they knew what they were doing all along. Apparently, yes. Uh, so yeah. we'll certainly dive into that question and get you know a Nuggets perspective as well from Matt Brooks around 10.15 today. Let's uh, toss this on over to Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. Will the U of A basketball team be better next season without Kirk Carissa, inspired by yesterday's news? that Kirk Carissa is transferring to West Virginia to play for Bob Huggins. Bob also had a conversation with Steve Rivera earlier today. And if you missed it, podcast KDOS1060.com as well as the KDOS 1060 app and uh, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple and Spotify. But for the question purposes, no, actually leading the way here at 56.3% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 43.8%. Yeah, I think that uh, yeah, Carissa has uh, certainly ball skills, uh, even though you know, he had some three-point shooting slumps and massive slumps, and one of them especially for like a month and a half during the Pac-12 schedule. Uh, but uh, you know, he's, he did lead the conference in assists, I think two years in a row. 
Uh, in fact, uh, they score a ton of points, so he has the ball most of the time as the point guard or the more than anybody else. So it figures that would happen. It just seems odd that he's, to me at least, that he's transferring to West Virginia because Bob Huggins is kind of a defense, not kind of, uh, he's a defensive first coach and Kreese is just a horrendous defender. So we'll dive into that question, answer it around 1130 today. All right, uh, let's take a look at some of the games in the NBA and therefore some of the scenarios that have unfolded and where we're at playoff wise. The Knicks beat the Pacers yesterday, 138 to 129. I really bring this part up because of what Mark Cuban had said uh, this week, what he told ESPN's Tim McMahon, uh, because, quote here, things went south when the parents got involved in reference here to Jalen Brunson not re-signing with the Mavericks but instead signing with the Knicks on a four-year 104 million dollar contract Jalen's dad if you if you don't know Rick was hired on the Knicks staff back in June of 2022 and then he ended up going to play for the Knicks he's from there as well the league did investigate and ended up stripping the Knicks of a 2025 second round pick for tampering but Brunson 60 Eight games, 35 minutes, 24 points, 6.2 assists. He's obviously been a great addition to the Knicks. It's hurt the Mavericks. Luka Doncic complaining about that as well uh, this week. Yeah, it's always uh, Cuban has an excuse for everything that goes wrong. And for the Mavericks franchise, it's been a lot of things that have gone wrong, really, since uh, they won the championship with Dirk and yeah, it's. Uh, I assume that uh, is he going to blame Rick Brunson when Kyrie doesn't resign? So they had him for like two months, and he's not staying, and he'll be gone after next this year. And I'm sure though he'll have somebody to blame. But uh, you know whether it's been, you know they've gone through general managers, they've gone through a few coaches now. Uh, but it's uh, Cuban has an excuse for everything that goes wrong in Dallas with the Mavericks. The Nets beat the Pistons yesterday, 123-108. to The Nets are very close to clinching that sixth spot in the East. Mikel Bridges, since he has been with the, Nick, uh, the Nets, excuse me, 25 games, 35.4 minutes, 27.4 points per game, and 4.6 rebounds. Cam Johnson, 24 games, 30.8 minutes, 16.5 points, and 4.8 rebounds. It's been interesting to see the strategy that the Nets have implored with both of these guys uh go get your buckets go uh get your offensive game and and score for us yeah i gotta admit i've not watched one second of the nets uh you know since uh you know since the trade so uh, i feel pretty incomplete even trying to answer that question sorry the Bucks beat the Bulls 105 to 92 yesterday. This helped the Bucks claim the number one seed. There was no Giannis in yesterday's game. He's dealing with right knee soreness. The Bucks, though, are 11 and six without him this season. Big news, though, Chris Middleton, he came up limping after a jumper in the first quarter on the first possession of the game. He ended up staying in for eight minutes, but he did not return after the first quarter dealing with right knee soreness. So now that they have the number one seed clinched, I can't imagine that he's going to be trotting out there for the rest of the regular season. Some other injury news as well for the Bucks. Pat Connaughton sprained right ankle. He didn't play. Um, head coach Mike Budenholzer believes it's a short-term injury injury with him Grayson Allen dealing with a sprained ankle Budenholzer believes it's a bit more severe with him 
Yeah, they've got at least nine days to get guys healthy, as does everybody that's not going to be in the play-in round uh, with the playoffs officially beginning uh, after that play-in round. The playoffs officially begin a week from this upcoming Saturday. Then you have the Pelicans. They needed overtime to get it done over the Grizzlies, 138-131. to By virtue of this Pelicans victory and Grizzlies loss, the Nuggets are now uh, in with the one seed. So that's kind of the big takeaway from, from that whole situation. And because I, I'm not, there was still a possibility for the Kings to overtake the Grizzlies, but since they both lost yesterday, not entirely sure how that all shakes out, but the Mavericks did top the Kings 123 to 119. Kyrie Irving, 31 points, 12 of 23, 6 of 10 from three, along with eight assists. Luka Doncic, 29 points, 9 of 19, 3 of 11 from three and ten boards but just watching the Mavericks is it's a challenge they don't play very fluid basketball right now they don't guard anybody I mean they weren't great on defense you know they traded Finney Smith he was part of the Kyrie trade and he clearly was their best defender Uh, as you mentioned earlier they certainly miss Brunson from last year which you know pretty much when they when the Mavericks were making their playoff run last year, including defeating the Suns, everybody knew that Brunson was going to leave. I mean, they weren't going to keep him. They weren't going to pay him what he was going to get elsewhere. And, you know, Rick Brunson or not with the Knicks, uh, we didn't have – I don't think there was a – I don't think that was official at that time. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's uh, – they're not good. And uh, I've never really thought at any point this season that they were really any good. Other than just a, they're basically an average team, and I think their their record certainly reflects that. I don't even think I think they're actually worse than their record indicates. I think they're actually a below average team because they just don't get any any stops anywhere, home or away. At least the Warriors stop stop people at home occasionally. The Clippers, 125-118 to over the Lakers. The question marks were, were Anthony Davis going to play, LeBron James going to play? The answer, they did. I believe this is now Ty Lue's. He's now 11 and 0 versus the Lakers yeah. as a Clippers head coach. So, oh, he's uh, obviously got the Lakers number here, but Kawhi 25 points on the night, Norm Powell 27 points off the bench, and as I previously mentioned, Anthony Davis played 32 minutes, 17 points, LeBron 35 minutes, 33 points. But I guess some of the reason for the question mark there is the back-to-back for them and having to go to overtime in the previous contest against the Jazz. Well, they shouldn't have played. Yeah, if they didn't, they didn't show up in the first half. They gave up seventy points in the first half. LeBron had three points in the first half and thirty in the second half. Uh, so uh, you know, the wake up call wasn't there for the Lakers. You know, the Lakers uh, have now lost uh, eleven straight games. So you mentioned the Ty Ty Lue thing, eleven and zero. But eleven straight wins for the Clippers against the Lakers is the most ever for the Clippers against the Lakers in the history of the NBA. And they've played a whole lot of games over the years. We'll step aside and make room for Matt Brooks to join us to talk about the Denver Nuggets next. But I do want to update what's going on at the Masters here. Victor Hovland, he's out in front, five under par. Uh, John Rahm sitting in three under par. But this is what's so awesome about the Masters and just golf in general. Freddie Couples... He loves this place. He talks about it all the time, his affinity for Augusta. If his back holds up, he always can play pretty well. 
He's two under par in a tie for third right now. Uh, he has one more hole to go, the long par for 18th. But uh, just having Freddie Couples right there in position on an opening Thursday, it just gets you in the feels, at least for me. All right, Matt Brooks, he's coming up next right here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. I'll turn those picks into gold. Wall-to-wall NFL coverage and the biggest stories coming to you from 3 to 5 p.m. The Rich Eisen Show here on KDOS AM 1060 and KDOS1060.com. Welcome back to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. We pop on out to the KDOS hotline joined by Matt Brooks, writer and digital content with the Nuggets. Matt, appreciate the time with Bob and Kayla today. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you both for having me. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. But we have to start with the guy who's at the center of it all for the Nuggets. That's Nikola Jokic. Uh, He's nearly averaging a triple-double, 24.8 points per game, 11.9 rebounds per game, 9.8 assists per game. He isn't asked to score as much because of the healthier cast around him. But what has been most impressive about his game this season? Is there anything he took to a different level? Just his efficiency. Um, You know, he is like just – I think he's – setting the Nuggets two-point percentage record right now that should hold in the final three games. Um, He's just been incredible from the post, uh, leading the league in terms of volume um, efficiency, I guess. Um, So he's really just taken everything that he already does and just make it even better and and become a more efficient scorer. Um, And then just the counting stats as well have been really good. But I think efficiency is the first thing that comes to mind for me. You know, Malone, after the game against the uh, the loss earlier this week against the Rock, the Rockets, uh, none too happy in question, uh, I guess, their toughness and so forth. You know, coaches have all kinds of motives. What do you think his motive was uh, for publicly speaking out after that loss? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a good loss, uh, we can be honest. Um, so I think the big thing is, like, you know, at this point the Nuggets have clinched uh, the number one seed with the Grizzlies losing. Um, you know, whether the last – because they, they've lost three of their last four, whether that is just a byproduct of them sort of waiting to clinch and, and waiting to mathematically get that type of, a, I guess, uh, number one seed, or if it's just like they're waiting for the season to wind down so they can get to the playoffs. Either way, I think you want to come in strong and play the best basketball you can coming into the playoffs. The Nuggets realistically haven't done that a ton, so I think that's kind of what that was, is just like, hey, let's re-energize the group and make sure we're coming in you know, uh, fully clicking on all cylinders. I want to go back to Jokic for just a second here. Uh, you know, he's going for three MVPs in a row. It kind of seems like he had this whole thing locked up. Then there came a bit of a slump in February, uh, not maybe necessarily for him, but just for the team losing some games. Now there has been a bit of an injury with Jokic here and the emergence of Joel Embiid. So where does Jokic stand on? Does he care about winning his third MVP in a row? Is this something of high importance to him? Uh, I think the whole team is kind of in the same boat in that they have bigger goals of winning a championship. So I think that especially applies to Jokic. Um, you know, I think some have surmised that he almost just wants the MVP voting to be done. 
um, just because it has taken over the season so much. I mean, I feel like it's all we've heard about for the last month, even with the playoff, you know, the playoff implications winding down, the West is a mess. It changes every two hours, it feels like. Um, so I think in a way, it, I, that's kind of where he and the team are at. They're, it's not of the utmost importance. Um, and, and, you know, I think even with the award itself, we know a lot of times, especially when it's this tight, recency is a big thing that comes into play. You know, Embiid's coming off a huge performance against Boston. So um, I think all these things are going to line up and, and work out for everybody. 52-27. and 27. Uh, Kind of staggering a little bit here lately. How would you describe the Nuggets' season to date? Oh, I mean, really impressive season in that, you know, they have continuity. Um, they've gotten some really nice stuff from uh, from Michael Porter Jr. here in this last month. Um, Jamal Murray has had really, really nice moments, really good games. I think you look at the Golden State game this last week, um, you know, really took that matchup with Steph Curry personally, as he does, has he's, uh, done in the past. And I think the biggest thing in the last month is that we've seen some of their younger guys, Peyton Watson, Christian Brown, um, get a little bit of playing time and show what they can do. So, you know, even with the team kind of maybe, I don't want to say limping into the playoffs, but not playing their best basketball, um, they have had a couple of things work out for them and that they're seeing different guys that they can throw out there and different, you know, I guess lineups that they can throw um, that will help them a lot against the different teams and challenges that come in the postseason. Conversation with Matt Brooks, writer and digital content with the Nuggets right here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. Uh, Jamal Murray, he's a key piece to this Nuggets team now that he is healthy, going on 64, 65 games played. How has the offense changed for the Nuggets with Jamal Murray back and healthy? Uh, I mean, it just changes in that they have another guy that can create, well, really their best player at creating shots off the dribble. Um, you know, whether that's from three-point range, they'll run sets to get him going to some of his preferred spots from there. He's a guy that can make from mid-range. He can post up as a guard, which is really, really cool. I know for Phoenix uh, fans, they get to see what that is like regularly with Devin Booker and what that can add to an offense. So, you know, just adding different things to what you already do is a big thing. And him looking like himself, especially with the way he's performed in the playoffs in the past, He's a big riser in the postseason. That's all good stuff for Denver. Aaron Gordon, uh, University of Arizona product, and they traded for him uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, what, what's he brought to the Nuggets? Uh, you know, has he contributed maybe more to the Nuggets than they thought, or is this kind of what they expected? You know, I mean, I think what they wanted was a guy that was going to fit in next to Jokic as a cutter, um, a guy that's going to handle those really tough defensive assignments. So, you know, you can name whoever, uh, Durant, uh, Kawhi, uh, really any of those, like, forwards that are of that superstar caliber. That's what he's there to do is guard those guys. And then he'll do other things, too. He'll get out and transition. He's a high flyer, obviously. So that gives you something if you're using him as a screener, um, if you're just using him as a cutter, as I said. So he's just filled in the gaps really nicely for them and fits next to the guys in the starting lineup really well. Um, you know, and, and he just finds gaps, essentially. Matt Brooks, writer and digital content with the Nuggets here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. Uh, for the Nuggets here, who do you consider to be an X factor for this team in order for them to have some success coming up here in the playoffs? Ooh, good question. Um, boy, that's a good one. I, I, I'm always going to say Bruce Brown, who has played really well for, um, you know, multiple teams in the past, in the postseason. Uh, he was really, really good for Brooklyn. What was that last year? 
um, in that Celtics series. Um, so that's a, that's a guy that definitely comes to mind. And then the two rookies that I've mentioned, uh, you know, Peyton Watson and Christian Brown, if they can find, you know, some minutes, I think those guys can make a big impact for them. And then Porter Jr. is the last guy. He's really taken a small leap here in the last month of the season. Um, he's doing a little bit more off the dribble. Um, they're starting to use him in different ways. They're, they're posting him up against smaller players. So he's, he's maybe the, the third guy for me that comes to mind, at least among the starters, that could really be that X factor and, and take the Nuggets ceiling a little bit higher. Speaking of Porter Jr., obviously he's had the back issues since high school, college days. Is that still kind of a you know iffy proposition, or he's made he's played sixty one games, so iffy proposition is probably a wrong phrase for me. But is, is that still something that lingers on because you know back injuries are a little different than a lot of other things? No, I mean I think especially recently you've seen how good he looks physically. The big thing that stands out for me is just the way he's crashed the glass. He had a couple of huge rebounds against Golden State last week. Um, and you just see he's got a little bit more vertical pop. Um, he's playing much more physically in terms of how he's boxing out. And that, that stuff to me is where it's, I, I just feel like that suggests that he's really feeling good about himself physically. Um, yeah, I mean, back injuries are fickle, so it's something you always have to be mindful of. But he's now a year and a half removed, I think, from his last procedure. And athletically, he looks about as good as he's looked. When it comes to the playoffs, the Nuggets have bowed out in earlier rounds than maybe anticipated and certainly wanted for, for Nuggets players and fans. So what makes this year's team different and poised to have some more success? Uh, continuity and then just, you know, I, the, the core simply getting older. Um, and then just all the different role guys that they've added over the years. You know, Contavious Caldwell-Pope this sweet year, Bruce Brown, um, you know, the two rookies I've mentioned. They just have more guys that bring that I guess, defensive intensity, which is really crucial around their big three. Um, so I, I think that's the big thing is just balance and continuity are going to be the two things that push this Nuggets team a little bit further. So they clinched uh, the number one uh, seed in the West last night uh, with the Memphis loss. So do we have any idea who might be playing tonight? What, what What's their agenda for the next three games to end the regular season? Uh, very TBD, but it looks like they put uh, all of their starting lineup is questionable. Very similar to last time the Suns and the Nuggets played. Um, I guess Aaron Gordon played last time, but he's listed as questionable this time around. So my guess is I don't know. I, I would probably lean for it if they don't play any of their starters just to not tip their hands um, against the Suns, who right now they'd be slated to play against in the second round, assuming both teams get past the first round. So I, I think for this game, I would not be shocked if we mostly see you know, uh, Denver's bench kind of get heavy minutes. Then from there, who knows? I mean, it really comes down to does Malone feel like they need one last tune-up um, just because of how they've kind of finished the season, or are they just completely prioritizing health? You know, Murray has a, a thumb sprain right now. Uh, Jokic is kind of coming back from this calf tightness. I know, um, you know, Aaron Gordon has, has been, you know, a little bit banged up here and there. So uh, these are all kind of things that are going to come into to play and, and and we'll just see if they're going to be risk averse or if they do want to get one last game with all the guys you know together. So only the Kings in the West have a winning record on the road. The Nuggets are below 500 on the road, but 33 and seven at home, and obviously have a great home court advantage. What do you attribute though to some of the issues on the road, or is it more of just a, a Western Conference problem? 
Uh, I believe definitely availability would be one of them. Um, but the other thing is just like the Nuggets are always historically really good at home, um, you know, and, and that just comes down to like the altitude, for example. Um, and and just having a really good home crowd, I think, helps. But availability has kind of affected, uh, you know, those numbers for sure this year. Matt, we agree. Ask about, oh, sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. One more, one more quick thing. I want to ask about one more U of A guy, Zeke Naji, who, uh, you know, last week uh, when they were here playing the Suns, had a good game. I know he's had uh, a couple of injury issues himself. But you know, how's he factored in and uh, the progress that he's made in his NBA career? Is that what the Nuggets are expecting? Yeah, I mean, he profiles as a really interesting backup center in that he offers different things in terms of how they play defensively. So he can switch around the floor a little bit more, um, you know, guard, you know, lead ball handlers, which is really unique. Obviously, the Nuggets play a little bit more conservative with focus in the lineup versus when you put Zeke in, it just gives you a different look. So the big thing for him will just be staying healthy. Um, you know, the, his three ball has kind of been a little bit of a work in progress. It's looked really good in certain spots. Recently, it's tailed off. So for him, just filling in those that role of being that guy that can switch around and offer different versatility defensively for the Nuggets and then stretch the floor and post up a little bit when needed, I think he's got a really good shot to earn you know a, a role on this Nuggets team long term. He's young, 22 years old, so there's a lot of upside with him for sure. Matt, one more before we let you go here. Who would be a matchup the Nuggets would want to avoid now that they are the one seed and there's still some potential uh, things on the horizon for those play-in uh, teams? I promise I'm not placating here because I'm on Phoenix Radio. I, the Suns have been just amazing with Durant and the lineup. Um, I wrote about this today. They are with, When he's on the floor, Durant's on the floor, um, they have an offensive rating that would be the best of all time. Um, their defense also improved significantly without Durant. It's basically the same as the 17th-ranked defense in the league. With him on the floor, it goes up to the best defensive rating we've seen in three years. So they're just a buzzsaw. Um, there's not a lot of tape on the Suns right now. They've really only been together for seven games with KD, which also makes them kind of hard to game plan for. So I think that matchup comes to mind. And then I, the Warriors, just because of the way they can stretch defenses and, and put teams in awkward positions, I just see those two teams as kind of one and two. But that Suns team is killer. Um, they're, they're definitely going to be an interesting matchup. And right now, as I said, it'd be slated to play against Denver in the second round. Matt, greatly appreciate it. We'll do this again soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Once again, he is Matt Brooks, writer in digital content there with the Denver Nuggets. And tonight's contest, uh, 7 o'clock, TNT, Valley Sports, Arizona Extra. And as we kind of alluded to there with Matt, unsure who's playing for both Suns and Nuggets. The Nuggets have listed virtually every starter as questionable. They've locked up the one seed. The Suns can't improve. They're locked into the four seed. So we'll see uh, what strategies each coaches would like to employ for tonight. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, and uh, you know, thank God we're almost done with the regular season. Your calls, 602-260-1060. We'll take those now. Get to you on the other side of the break. 602-260-1060 is the number to join the conversation. Uh, the Diamondbacks, they are home opening with the Dodgers this weekend, and everything gets started for them tonight, uh, 640, I believe, on Bally Sports Arizona for the Do- the Diamondbacks and the Dodgers kick-starting their home opener. We'll have much more of the Extra Point on the other side of the break right here on KDOS AM 1060.
bringing you the latest sports topics weekly right here on KDUS AM 1060 with me, the Doug Gottlieb Show, 1 to 3 p.m. Welcome back to Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. A correction to make here. The Diamondbacks game is 710 tonight. Tomorrow's contest is 640. They're messing me all up here. But tonight's contest, 7, 10 p.m., Valley Sports, Arizona. Tomorrow's contest, 640. 602 260 1060. That's the number if you'd like to join the program. Uh, we'll take your calls now. 602 260 1060. Scotty Scheffler, the defending Masters champion, just getting his round underway from Augusta National. And uh, we had had this conversation yesterday with Alex Myers from Golf Digest, speaking about Will Zalatoris and, and what to kind of do about him because he emerged as being this player who is a contender in the major championships great history here at Augusta suffered a back injury and uh, really hasn't been the same very inconsistent here to start the 2023 season and it looks like his 2023 Masters will not get started as Will Zalatoris has officially withdrawn from the Masters so that's a really big bummer for him and of course the Willie Z fans Uh, Victor Hovland though he continues to just play some really solid golf he's now six under through 12 sitting atop of the leaderboard Xander Shoffley three under John Rom three under Cam Young three under as well and as I was all in my feels about Freddie Couples he bogeyed the 18th hole and he finished uh, one under par but pretty darn good playing golf for a 63 year old uh, Freddie Couples here at Augusta National. Uh, So I wanted to bring this part up, though, because we've been monitoring what's going on for Major League Baseball and for people to be able to watch the games. And it looks like things have been kind of settled that the games will be airing on Valley Sports Arizona. But what is going on behind the scenes here? And The Athletic is reporting that Major League Baseball has filed an emergency motion in Diamond Sports bankruptcy, asking the court to compel the regional sports channel company to pay the Twins and the Guardians rights fees that are overdue. Uh, In general, 14 Major League Baseball teams are carried by the Diamond Sports properties and three haven't been paid, including the Arizona Diamondbacks. Major League Baseball is seeking an order by April 13th that would force Diamond to either pay the Twins and Guardians or terminate the contract so teams could take over the broadcasts. Diamond hasn't paid the D-backs, but That occurred just prior to the bankruptcy, so the team is listed as a creditor on the Chapter 11 petition. However, several teams in this motion are reserving the right to join in in the filing if Diamond fails to pay them in the future. Those teams include Diamondbacks, Tigers, Brewers, Rays, and Rangers. So it's certainly going to be something to continue to monitor to see how uh, we're going to be able to get the games and what the future is. But... When I just look at this in general and kind of the landscape of sports and really some of the smaller market teams really rely on these broadcasting rights in order to stay competitive on the payroll. uh, Do you envision this having some ramifications in the future? Yeah, I have no idea, to be honest, because it's kind of something that's a new territory. So I'm not real sure. I don't also... 
know how many of the smaller market teams even really depend on these things for payroll. I think that a lot of it has to do with attendance and being some of those teams are really bad. And I think that has something to do with more of the payroll than actually the television rights deals. Obviously, if you play better, uh, you get, uh, I would assume, your television rights increase. But, uh, you know, just for example, the Kansas City Royals, that they've had, not this year, or not, you know, but four or five years ago, you know, they're competing in the American League and they still had, you know, some serious payroll issues and so forth. So. I guess get an owner that has more money. I don't know. I don't have an answer to your question. It's a really good question, but I just they're, 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 this part of it, I don't remember a precedent like this. It, it certainly in recent years, I don't think there's any precedent for this. You know, and I'm also kind of thinking about this too because you know you, you, we talk about uh, you know March Madness just finished up and how teams making it to a, a certain portion money then goes to their conferences and that can really help when a smaller school in a smaller conference makes it this this far that really just bolsters the entire conference to be able to uh, you know upgrade some things pay their bills etc. You also look on this the flip side of just how much money is split across like the NFL for. All all the 32 teams for their broadcasting rights, etc. Uh, just looking at this from a broader perspective for the the bigger time contracts for Major League Baseball and just how that all unfolds. I, I don't really know the, the nuances of how that works for Major League Baseball, but it, it does seem like in some respects that the, the gap is widening for who's willing to spend money and who's not. Yeah, yeah even... Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure how to judge that either because we just came off the you know, new collective bargaining agreement and even Tampa Bay. I mean, they didn't, you know, out of control spend money, but yeah, you know, they signed some players to long-term contracts and we have seen that from Tampa Bay hardly ever uh, in recent years. So, uh, you know, at least the first part of the collective bargaining agreement, it seemed like uh, certainly Almost every team spent more money than they had in you know, the last two or three years, no matter who you are, except for the Dodgers, and they're just waiting for Otani. <laughs> yeah, they're they the only ones that pulled back, but there's a reason, right? <laughs> that seems to be the reason. <laughs> yeah. Well, you mentioned the Rays. How about their start here? Another 7-2 to two win this time over the Nationals, and they are now starting the season at 6-0. and oh. uh, This is a team that you really like. I do, but also it's you know, I think the seven and zero start or it's a seven and zero now. I lost track. However many games they played, uh, you know, their start is it should be tempered some because they played Detroit at home and at Washington. I think that's a fair assessment. Uh, Detroit disappointed last year, hasn't gotten off to a good start, really having any good feels for anyone this season. And, and uh, Washington, we know, is in a rebuild process. Uh, then when you move over to the New York Yankees, they started things off four and two. Are you a little surprised at their start? Not at all. Uh, you know, I played the Giants and the Phillies are just playing awful baseball. The Phillies look like a team that didn't even have spring training. Uh, you know, granted, you know, they don't have Harper. They knew they weren't going to have Harper. They don't have Reese Hoskins. They didn't know that till three-quarters of the way through spring training when he tore his knee up and he's out for the season. But even last year, remember the Phillies, they weren't even going to be in the playoffs until they had a big run in September you know, area, August, September. And they played some really bad baseball, and they played really bad defense. 
and they're playing really bad defense now. They invested in their bullpen, and some of the guys they invested in, at least in the first you know, week of the season, have been you know, blown up pretty badly. Uh, you know, Kimbrough was awful in a couple of games already. And uh, so if you, have, if you don't have a bullpen or defense, it uh, doesn't leave you much margin for error. And, uh, you know, they've uh, been horrible so far. And, you know, the Giants were the first opponent for the uh, for the Yankees at Yankee Stadium. Unfortunately for the Yankees, uh, you know, they've already been rained out of today's game. And it looks like some really bad weather uh, for the ways you meant you talking about the Masters, obviously, or this week. It seems like there's a lot of bad weather. There's four games in the Major League Baseball today that have already been postponed. Uh, and it looks like there's going to be some bad weather into the weekend as far as some of the other series, uh, you know, Baltimore in uh, New York, uh, amongst the uh, cities that are affected. Uh, so you mentioned the Phillies here getting off to this start and almost feeling like they haven't had a spring training. We acknowledge the Bryce Harper situation, the Reese Hoskins situation. Do you think there's any validity if anyone wants to use the World Baseball Classic for Trey Turner, Kyle Schwarber not being with the team? No, not them. Uh, I think the guys, you know, I think if you're going to look at the World Baseball Classic, it's mainly pitchers. Uh, you know, whether it obviously you Darvish, uh, was a good example, and you know, the Padres, you know, he didn't have a chance to really, you know, build up his pitch count during spring training like he usually would, uh, and uh, he didn't even start uh, his first game until Tuesday uh, against the Diamondbacks, and he obviously had a lot of control issues. Unfortunately, the Diamondbacks didn't take advantage of that, but they did come back and win that game. Uh, so whether it's, uh, you know, the you know Turner and, and you know, Schwarber everyday players, I think it's much easier for the guys that are in the World Baseball Classic if you're a position player uh, as opposed to a pitcher, especially a starting pitcher. You need to build up your your pitch count, et cetera. That's why I was so shocking. And I, you know, I, don't, I don't use the word shocking unless I mean it. Uh, shocking yesterday that the Angels let Otani throw 110 pitches in his second start. That's the most pitches that anybody has thrown in a start this year. Obviously, he was in the World Baseball Classic, uh, and uh, I couldn't even—I couldn't believe he went out to you know the next to last inning he pitched. I was—I was surprised he was out there then, and they sent him out for another inning after that. Uh, and, and you know, I know there was some talk last night, uh, at least on the baseball uh, baseball network, that uh, MLB network, that you know, well, they're not going to have him after this year. To, to how much do they care? Well, they care because when he pitches for them this year, you know, he brings in monstrous home crowds. You got to keep that dude healthy uh, for another year. He's your investment as long as he's in your organization, and especially, you know, they sell out or come close to selling out every home game they play that he pitches in, and. Uh, you know, the, you know, the fact that they're, you know, just kind of overused him yesterday. He didn't even have his best stuff yesterday. Uh, he got by and uh, did a, you know, made some real key pitches at key times against Seattle and only gave up uh, the one run, but he walked four and hit two batters and ends up throwing 111 pitches because you know, his command was just not there. Am I hearing you say that you feel like it's irresponsible for them to have allowed 110 pitches from Otani? I don't. Yeah, that's a good. That's a possibility. You can use that word, uh, but it's more just like you're. You know, like I said, you still have him for at least the rest of this year, and likely not after this year. But considering how much money you are making, he's your investment as long as he's on your team, and it's different for him than almost any other player in, in baseball, quite frankly. 
And uh, I was just, it was amazing to me that uh, the second start of the season, one week into the season, and he didn't have the full spring training arsenal as far as a pitcher goes, that he was out there. Uh, like I said, I was shocked that he was out there for the fifth inning, let alone the sixth or sixth and seventh. I forget you, whichever it was. Uh, the last two innings he pitched, I was surprised he was out there for either of those innings. I have more baseball topics, questions that we can get into on the other side of the break as we wrap up our number one of Extra Point. But I do want to make mention of this here. So over at the Masters, I said that Fred Couples, he bogeyed 18, but he still finished one under par for the tournament. This is impressive. It's his 38th Masters appearance, and it's now his 78th career round of even par or better at Augusta, which is second most all time. As I mentioned, he loves this place, and uh, he probably, you could argue, could have had more green jackets if he was just healthier. That's kind of what held back his career, health, the back. But we'll uh, wrap up hour number one of Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and KDOS 1060 app, powered by Superbook Sports, on this Thursday, April 6th. Hey, Phoenix, Doug Gottlieb here. I'm bringing the best sports talk weekdays to you, 1 to 3 p.m., right here on KDUS AM 1060. Wrapping up our number one, Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays right here in the Extra Point Continuing our Major League Baseball conversation, I wanted to hop into the AL Central with the Guardians here starting 5-2. and two. There's been some good wins for the Guardians to start the season. Have you been surprised by their start? I'm not. I mean, they're a team that I was going to bet them over the win total until the Tristan McKenzie injury happened. Uh, then uh, we, I'm still pretty confused as to how long McKenzie's going to be out. Uh, they originally said like two months, and then they said like within a couple of weeks, and then they've just been vague since then. Uh, so I guess they just decided uh, we really don't know either. Uh, but he's a big part of their starting rotation. I would have clearly bet them over the total, which was like 86 and a half uh, for the win total for the season, had he not been injured right at the end of spring training. Uh, then you have in the AL West, the Rangers and the Angels here, both at four and two. And obviously the Rangers making the moves that they did in the offseason to try to bolster their uh, pitching pitching roster. DeGrom was great yesterday. He had a no-hitter for five innings or so. Uh, so as long as he's healthy, and actually their entire, I shouldn't say entire, but pretty close to their entire rotation, they've got some dudes that have serious injury history, not just DeGrom but others, uh, and, uh, including John Gray, who they brought in last year and had some injury issues. Uh, but, uh, you know, as long as they're healthy, as that rotation's healthy, I think they're going to be okay and uh, better than okay. I don't think they're going to challenge Houston uh, in the long run. Uh, but I think they're certainly an improved. They definitely catch the ball, and uh, you know, that helps the pitching staff uh, no matter who you are. But uh, they have strikeout pitchers win healthy. And uh, really good defense. That's a good start for any team. As far as the Angels, I'm just not believing in anything about the Angels uh, until I actually get – if they're any good in like uh, maybe towards the trade deadline, the end of July, and uh, 
you know, they need to get better at several positions if they're going to be a, a quote viable contender. And, you know, I know the trout and Otani thing out there and so forth, but, uh, you know, Trout, if he's still, let's see if he's playing every game or, you know, if he play, plays on a regular basis, because needless to say, he is uh, really, other than one season, not made it through a, a regular season. I believe it's since 2019 without a lengthy injury list uh, situation. And last year, obviously, he was on the injured list for a lot of the season. NL East, you have the Braves at 5-1. and one. That's probably of no surprise. The Mets, though, at 3-4. and four. Little surprise about the Braves only because you know they just played three games at St. Louis and they swept that series. Uh, St. Louis, I think, is the biggest biggest topic of discussion right now in the National League. They've got some significant starting pitching issues, uh, and uh, they really kind of one turn through. Obviously, Wainwright started the season on the injured list, but he's forty years old, so I know he's your you know, number one East starter, but. Uh, I got serious questions about the the St. Louis starting rotation. They're in a division that's certainly winnable, uh, and it's uh, you know the Brewers. Uh, Corbin Burns got lit up yesterday. He's their ace, and uh, Corbin Burns is really since the middle, uh, not middle, the last couple of months of last season and the first two starts of this year. Maybe he's not the greatest pitcher in the history of the world. Look, kind of looked like that when he won the Cy Young Award uh, two seasons ago, but. Uh, not good at the end of last year and not good at the start of this year. The Brewers are sitting at 5-1 and one to lead the NL Central and the Dodgers 4-2 and two to lead the NL West. D-backs hosting Dodgers tonight. Dustin May, Merrill Kelly, 7-10, Bally Sports, Arizona. We'll get into much more of Extra Point with hour number two on the other side of the break. He's Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today.